Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Baker and this is Mama Stories. I created Mama Stories after seeing how impactful sharing stories can be in overcoming the challenges of motherhood. I am where I am today because of the stories of so many amazing strong mamas and I want to share that with every mom I can. So follow along to laugh, cry, and be empowered. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Have you heard about how we are changing the story for moms? Mama Fund is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing products, services, and education to moms in need. So check us out at mamafund.org. All right, welcome to the show today, Catherine. And Catherine is actually joining us internationally in Canada. Thanks for being here, Catherine. Hello. Oh, thank you for having me. You are my first international guest, so I feel really honored to be um, just stretching all over the world now. I can say outside of the U.S. officially. Absolutely, and I'm happy to be your guests from uh, a little bit north. Yes. All right. So for those who don't know Catherine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. So my name is Catherine and I am a mom of two beautiful little girls. Their names are Arden and Grayson. And I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, So up, up across the border there. And I'm also a business owner, so I am founder of Stage and Tidy Co., which is a home staging, styling, and organization business. Um, I'm also working towards my KonMari consultant, which means that I trained with Marie Kondo from, I guess, most well-known from the Netflix series. Yep. So um, I've added that to my my business to help with organization. That's amazing. I'll tell you, my husband and I watched that, um, just one episode actually of that on Netflix. And we had like a really big winter storm this last winter. And so we were stuck in our house for a long time. And we used that and it purged a lot of stuff in our life. So... <laughs> We are firm believers in that method for sure. Yes, I'm happy to hear that. No, I'm I'm hoping that it helps a lot of people. Um, Just overall, and my focus really is with moms because I guess they those are the majority of my clientele. They reach out to me because we already have that in common. So it's been great so far. That's really good. All right, so we talked about your. beautiful little girls briefly, just their names. Um, so tell us, let's, let's start back from the beginning. So I know there was a really big shift in your life around 2010. So why don't we start there and you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So in 2010, I was getting ready to get married to my husband and things were great. Um, everything was amazing. I was preparing for a great summer wedding and my husband and I, um, since we live in such cold climate, we've taken up winter sports. And so we are avid, uh, snowboarders and, you know, we were doing what we do in the winter 
And it was around March of 2010. And I felt different, different in that my fingertips on one side of my body, my left side, was very numb and felt very different. And it was just an odd, different feeling. Um, And then I kind of let it go when I didn't really think much about it. I kind of complained about it a little bit with my husband. And really, I just chalked it up to maybe a fall from snowboarding. Didn't really think much about it. Um, A couple weeks passed. So this is taking us into April. And the numbness never went away from the first time that I felt it. And now it moved to my face. But it was only the left side of my face. And so that's when uh, I started to panic. And the reason I started to panic was because I was getting married in a couple months. And it was all vanity. It was thinking, okay, if I'm numb in the face, how will my pictures turn out? How will I be? Um, So I was, yeah, I was obsessed with the wedding at that point. And so uh, my family doctor recommended that I go to the ER. And I shook it off and I laughed and I said, like, can't you just tell me what this is and just tell me it's an injury from sports? And she said, no, I really need you to go. So here in Canada, um, I waited quite a long time in the ER and they ran a whole bunch of tests. And I remember the ER doctor sitting down with me and this was eight, maybe 10 hours after I'd actually walked into the hospital. And he said the words MS and it didn't register. And he said, look, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. And I'll tell you right now that I, I wasn't really listening. It didn't really register. And I just wanted to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went home. My husband had heard it all too. And he knew that we were, I was being referred to a specialist. So we just let that happen. I ended up having an MRI done. Uh, in about April, May of uh, 2010. And then really, I didn't think of it again, because I was getting married in July. We got married, very blissful. We did our honeymoon. And three weeks after we were married, I had my follow-up appointment with this neurologist. And my husband and I sat in the office. And the neurologist said to me, Catherine, you have multiple sclerosis. And I didn't react. I didn't have anything to say. He started talking and I, I, I always refer to this first conversation I had and I, it was all jumbled. It was all a blur. I don't remember what he said. I remember him passing me a couple pamphlets, um, giving me some advice as where I can find more information and wow. said, I need to see you again in a few months. I walked out of that appointment. I had zero emotion and I just didn't know what to think. Um, My husband, yeah, my husband didn't really say much. And to be quite honest, I came home and I just carried on. You know, I didn't really think about it. Um, It was only weeks, maybe months later that I think it started to hit me a little bit in that I actually started to read the pamphlet that was left on our coffee table for so long. I started to look at information and um, I had a good cry. 
I had mm. emotions flooding in and I said, okay, well, this is what I have yeah. and what am I going to do about it? So this entire um, time you were still feeling the symptoms, like have you had at this point, had you had, um, like the moment where you, I don't, I don't know if you call it like an episode or whatever it is when your body really kind of has that feeling of MS, whether it be that you can't move or you're numb in more places, or is it just a constant numbness on your left side? It was a constant numbness. So I had it had like a big, so what they do is they call it flare-ups, right? flare-ups an episode okay. or a flare-up. I hadn't had a flare-up. My flare-up was considered the time that I was numb. Um, so my face was still numb at that point. My fingertips were still numb and it had moved down to the left side of my legs and my toes specifically. And so it felt weird. And I always like felt that it's kind of like the next day I would wake up and it'd be gone. And mm-hmm. it never was. It was always there. And so I just, I guess I just got used to it in that, okay, this is what I have. And so once I started reading about it and realized that multiple sclerosis is not curable and it's considered an autoimmune disease um, that affects everyone differently of different severities, I said, okay, well, we have a neurologist appointment and let's talk about treatment. Because I said, well, what else am I going to do? Like, if this is what I have, I don't want it to progress. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's do this. So we went ahead and I started my medications, which at that point in 2010 was through injection. So I had to inject myself every day um, with medication. And I, um, I did that for a good year. Um, there were a lot of side effects that came with that, uh, but I didn't know any better. And I didn't know anybody with MS. Mm. I didn't know who to talk to. I mean, there, there is the MS Society of Canada here, um, which I, I did go to, uh, or look on the website to kind of get some support, but I really didn't have like a person in front of me that I could talk to. And there wasn't a lot of information about it. So I really felt um, alone in all of it. I guess with my husband, he's very supportive, but I internally felt very alone. So I continued with my treatments and I did it quietly. Um, I didn't really talk about it with anybody because I didn't feel that anybody would really understand And the interesting thing, I guess, is that um, I look from the outside, I look quote unquote normal, whatever that means, but (laughs) I I don't look like an image of disability. Um, And so when I would start telling my circle of friends and family, there were two reactions I got. It was either pity, deep pity. Or complete avoidance. Because mm. I don't think that people knew a lot about it. And that still kind of stands now. But um, the majority of people didn't really know a lot about it. They had heard it, multiple sclerosis. But they didn't really know. There wasn't like a an image of somebody who suffers from it. So it's it was either, like I said, 
deep pity, like, oh my gosh, I don't know what that means. Please tell me more or complete avoidance. And I think it was almost to the point where they were uncomfortable even saying the word. So other than letting people know, I didn't really talk about it. And I tried really hard not to identify as someone with multiple sclerosis. So really those words never really came out of my mouth. And Mm. I only saw the doctor um, and that's when I could talk about it. Um, And so the test involved having MRIs every six months and I continued on with my medication. It wasn't until about 2012 that after me doing research that I realized that the myth of not being able to have children with MS was false. I could very well carry a child and have a healthy child because there is no there's no evidence that it, there's any genetic component to MS. So what I feared first in the beginning was that I would pass this this illness to my children sure. was not true. And what I was worried about was me having this, the symptoms of MS and not being able to care for my kids. And so, yes, I had the numbness in the left side of my body, but I also had a lot of fatigue, um, profound fatigue, I like to say, Mm. Um, some muscle weakness on the left side of my body, sometimes some blurred vision, and um, I was having mood issues, right? I was having feelings of sadness um, because I was dealing with the diagnosis. So I was very afraid of having children and all that that applies or comes with having children, right? Um, But in speaking to my neurologist, my family doctor, they said, no, you can can have children. You can have many children, right? So Mm. go ahead. So Um, um, what was like your moment that you decided like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have kids. So you were diagnosed in 2010. When did you have Arden? Yeah. So I had Arden in 2014. Okay. But it took us about a year and a half to actually conceive because I had to stop the medication for quite some time, make sure that it was no longer in my system because it could cause uh, abnormal um, defects in the child, even though there's no real evidence because the doctors explained there would be, there is no mother that would make that risk, take that risk, right? Take the medication and get pregnant at the same time. So they said that you had to be off of the medication for quite a few months before you even try to conceive. So so that happened. Sorry, excuse me. As an MS patient, what happens when you stop taking your medicine? Like what's the effect on you? So they warned me that stopping the medications, well, I'll tell you the the medications and stuff, like I said, don't cure you, didn't cure me. What it does is that it it slows the disease down. So okay. it slows it down from becoming progressive faster, right? So I know that taking medications would never cure me, but it would slow it down so that I wouldn't have maybe a lot of flare-ups, relapses, and it wouldn't necessarily cure me from fatigue necessarily or the numbness because the symptoms that I have 
the doctors explained, would always be there, right? The numbness that I had, it's unlikely that it would ever go away. It might get a little bit less, but the feeling, the sensation itself would probably always be there. And the reason behind that is MS is the um, is having lesions in the brain that basically make it difficult for your brain to communicate with the parts of your body to say, move, walk, move your hand. Mm -hmm. So it slows it down. So the, the, the medication helps you from having relapses. So the fact that I was going to get off the medication would not cure me and would definitely might cause more symptoms to occur. So I was warned that when I got off the medications, that I might feel more numbness. I might actually have another flare-up or relapse. Um, but the neurologist, and because I spent so much time with my husband talking about, do we want children? Are we ready for this? You know, and he's such a great partner that he said, he mm -hmm. will we'll make it work. We, we'll get the help. He will help. Like, we would make it work. And so... Luckily, when I got off the medications, I didn't have like a big flare up. My symptoms were still there with the numbness, but enough that I could still walk and function um, with sometimes some tripping over that does happen. But for the most part, I was okay. So um, we got off the medications. It took us about a year and a half to actually get pregnant or so. And Arden was born in 2014 mm. and it it was bliss like we were so happy as all new parents are um it was the best thing we ever decided to do and and you had a normal I, pregnancy nor I guess normal I'm using quotations yeah. who knows what that is but <laughs> normal pregnancy normal delivery like nothing from MS altered that at all no absolutely not I mean she was born. I carried her 40 weeks. Everything was great. Um, but what happened about two months after she was born was that I had um, a flare-up. I had more symptoms happen. I had numbness that actually started on my right side. And I'm right-hand dominant, so I was worried. I was thinking, oh, hey, like my right side is my strongest side. And now I have numbness there and I have numbness on my left. Wow. So um, it was terrifying and it was hard to admit. And I, other than my husband knowing, I didn't say much to others that would ask how I was. And the reason was because I felt that, ugh, I don't want to cry, but I mm. felt that, um, it was self-inflicted. Like mm. I chose to get pregnant yeah. and have this child. Mm. Um, and it's almost like I felt like, oh, I deserved it. And yeah. it's it's a wrong way to feel. I, I realize that now. But, um, you know, it's because we made the choice to have this child. And I knew the risks involved, yet I still did it. Yeah. Um so that was hard. <laughs> I thank you. I really uh, appreciate you sharing that. I know that that's hard to share stuff like that. And I think that is like the number one thing. I know that you have some complexity added onto it, but I 100% think what you just shared is 
number one postpartum depression because it's those thoughts of like, it's my fault. I deserve this. And then they just keep going like deeper and deeper and deeper. And, um, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going (laughs) to diagnose anybody, but I for sure think that that's what that is. And I'm so glad you shared that because I know there's moms who probably feel that way. Like maybe moms who went through IVF or who went through adoption or whatever it is might have a very similar feeling like they kind of self-inflicted this on them because they tried so hard. But I also think that because you tried so hard and because you just knew you wanted to be a mom and that you guys wanted to be parents, that that is like the most beautiful thing. And that being a new mom is hard and being a new mom with MS, I can't even imagine. I mean, the fear (laughs) and the fatigue and all of that, I just, I can't even imagine. So thank you for sharing that. So we, I luckily think, and though I wanted to share and I think it's important because as moms, we already feel so much guilt with everything that we do. And a lot of us, I think, stay quiet and we don't share feelings and talk about it. And that's totally what I felt. And, you know, here I had a wonderful, healthy baby, yet I was, I was lonely inside and I was, um, I felt like I couldn't share other than with my doctors. I couldn't share how I felt. Um, because I was afraid of judgment, right? And I think a lot of moms might feel that way too. Um, But what happened after that was when I did see my neurologist, you know, the first thing he asked was, how long do you plan to breastfeed? And I I was, I wanted to breastfeed, or at least I wanted to try as long as I could. And I ended up breastfeeding her for quite some time, about a year. And he, the neurologist, um, kept asking me, um, well, do you plan to have more? And at that point, I, my husband and I, we couldn't think of more. Mm-hmm. We knew before we had Arden that we wanted to have two. But it was like the wrong time to ask me if I wanted to have more. Um, so I kind of shelved that and continued on. The thing is, is that I could not take the MS medications while I was breastfeeding. Mm. And all I said to the doctor was, I keep, I want to keep breastfeeding, right? I just want to keep doing it. And so at the point of about a year or so, the doctor uh, firmly asked me, the reason why I keep asking you when you want to have children is because I don't want you to get on and off MS medications depending on when you want to have other children. Because so you have to affects, decide. Like it would affect you negatively if you did that? Well, yes. It, it, it's not, he said, he explained that it's not a good idea to get on and off. Like if you're on it for a couple months and get off it, you, I put my body through all this strain, mm-hmm. side effects, and then to get off of it again and then try to empty out, have no more medications in my system and then get pregnant would be a complicated uh, situation. So I said, okay, let me take this home and talk about it. So my husband and I, we said, we definitely want to, we just don't know when. And then we said, okay, well, you know what, we, we should maybe try to do it sooner because I don't know how long it would take me to get pregnant again. And I should go back on my meds because 
all this time as we have Arden is my symptoms are starting to worsen. So I started having some blurred vision in my left eye. I, I had a, a trip and a fall that I knew very much. It wasn't me being clumsy. And so all of this was scaring me. And I said, I, I need to make the decision. I should either get on medication or go ahead and start trying for a child. And then I can get on medications after. So lo and behold, unlike our first attempt at having our first attempt at having our first child, our second one came sooner than we thought. Mm. Um, so we, we had Grayson in 2017. And another wonderful, by the way, um, (laughs) it's a wonderful name. I agree. (laughs) And when was Grayson Um, born? You said 2017. When's her birthday? 2017, July. So the girls are basically, and Arden was born in June. So they're like three years and one month apart. Um, and everything was great. I had a, again, a normal pregnancy. It was great. Um, but the, I guess the biggest difference with Grayson, um, was that when she was born, I think it was an accumulation of my feelings towards everything that was going to happen since I knew that she was going to be our last child, that it all felt very overwhelming for me. Um, she, I knew that I would have to stop breastfeeding much earlier because the neurologist was stressing to me that the findings in my MRIs that I continue to do every six months with the exception of when I was pregnant was showing uh, changes in my brain, meaning there were more lesions that were coming. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know MS is progressing or changing is when the lesions in the brain either get larger, change in size, or there's more. So I knew that I would probably stop breastfeeding. He asked me to stop breastfeeding after three months. And it just hit me so hard emotionally that, um, that I wasn't able to treat my two girls the same Mm. because my first one was breastfed for so long, luckily. And it just hit me really hard emotionally. And, um, I also, sometimes I have shame talking about it, but I know that the more I talk about it is that it's, it's, it's better. Yes. No Um, shame. Is that I, (laughs) I, I didn't feel an instant connection to Grayson. Um, I felt very distant and uh, I felt that I was kind of cheating on my first child, if that makes sense, Mm. that I had to share my love and, um, you know, share my time, share my love. And and most importantly is share, share my energy because I had such bad fatigue that I felt that I was only at a capacity to care for one child and having two was again, self-inflicted and something that I couldn't ask for help 
because it's something that my husband and I both wanted. So we just had to make it work on our own. And um, that's, it was a couple months um, that my husband actually had a talk with me and said, look, um, I think you need to speak to someone. And he didn't mean my neurologist and he didn't mean my family doctor. He meant someone more uh, because emotionally I was, I was different. I wasn't connecting with anyone in the family. I wasn't leaving the house. Um, And I had a summer baby and, you know, there were lots of times here um, that I could have taken her out for a walk. And here in Toronto, like we live for the summers because it gets just so cold. (laughs) (laughs) So I wasn't leaving the house. And uh, it was, so I, again, like I didn't realize things were changing in me or had changed in me uh, until he talked to me about it. And again, I went, I denied it. I didn't know what he was talking about. Um, But from the moment that he told me or he had voiced his opinion that things were different with me, I realized that those um, dark moments I had, um, the times I was crying alone um, in the dark, the times I questioned my love for the kids, um, even my self-worth, those were all signs of uh, postpartum. And I think it was just, like I said, an accumulation of motherhood. The fact that I never really dealt with it the first time around. And the fact that I was having all these feelings about my illness and my my inability to be a good mother. That it just all toppled over me. And it was like I couldn't get out of this mud that I felt stuck in. That's a great well, way to describe eye-opening. it. I feel like mud, yeah. being stuck in mud is like the best way to describe postpartum because what you're doing is like the most selfless act. I mean, you're literally not taking medication so that you can breastfeed your baby longer because you want what's best for them and then you know, you're creating a human because that's what you want for your family. And these are just, I hate to say side effects, but they are like postpartum is just so real. And it really is something that we just have to talk about because it can be really dark for most. And, you know, when we do talk about it, you mentioned having shame. I get that. Like, I totally get that. I have a very healthy baby boy also named Grayson. (laughs) I love that name. Um, Great name. And he's great and he's healthy and he's growing and all of the good things. But gosh, the times that I just was like, what did I do? And like, why did I sign up for this? Were really dark times in my life. And now that I realize, okay, like that's, I guess, quote unquote normal. Like that is postpartum and most women deal with postpartum. So that is normal to feel that way. But having people like your husband to help you kind of see like, okay, maybe we need to like expand our circle so you can talk to somebody is just so beneficial because that helps you know, okay, I'm not crazy. I just 
I, you know, I'm dealing with this symptom, which is postpartum depression. I just need some additional help to get through it. And I do agree if we don't, I, I mean, I don't have a second child and I don't plan to have a second child, just, just one for us, but I do think if you don't deal with it the first time, like, you know, you had kind of mentioned some small symptoms of that with your first daughter, you know, when Grayson came in, you know, I think that that kind of piles on because it's something we didn't deal with the first time. So now the second time it gets like even worse, right? You go even lower because you're, you know, you haven't unpacked the stuff that maybe you went through the first time. Right. And all of that just happened. Like it felt like it just, it was just so overwhelming and I had to face yet something else that I, I didn't see for myself. Like I just thought that, you know, this was all normal and that I, I was doing mothering wrong. Mm. Right. And I just had to just deal with it, suck it up and just, carry on right the kids need to be fed they need to be taken care of like there's no time for me to whine and complain about my own needs um and so it's I didn't realize and out of all of that it took somebody looking at everything that was going on so close to me and say like like there's something wrong and for that I'm grateful because I started taking more time to care for myself, first of all, by just starting to talk to a specialist, Mm -hmm. but also at the same time, it helped me grasp, grasp the fact that if I stopped breastfeeding, my child was going to be okay. Yeah. She was about four or five months and it was going to be okay. It wasn't, she wasn't going to starve. It wasn't going to affect her health wise in the future. And that it was a necessity for me to take care of my body first so that I could be a good mom for them. And that applies not only to my physical illness of multiple sclerosis, but like the, the mental health side of it too. If I didn't take care of what was happening in my head, I would have not been a good mom to the two girls. And so the fact that I listened, number one, listened to my husband and said, sure, I recognize that there's something that's off right now. Um, I I don't know where I'd be now, right? Because I ended up, stopping breastfeeding and Grayson is fine. (laughs) She's thriving. She has, she's healthy in every way. Um, and I started taking care of my mental health. Right. So in the end, like I had to, I had to stop and take a moment and really reevaluate and say, look, like in order for me to be a good mom, I need to get this MS handled. And so I started taking medication and I need to start talking to a specialist to help me deal with the feelings that I'm having and, um, not feel so, so alone and dark. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh man. I mean, <laughs> really truthfully, like I know we've talked before this, so this isn't like our first time over the phone, but yeah. just hearing the details, I mean, I, I honestly like can't thank you enough for just being vulnerable enough to share that because it is so hard. Like you're not only dealing with just the battle, I would say that is motherhood, right? This like you, any selfless act or selfish act, right, is looked at through a microscope of our own. You know, if we take our own time, if we spend time with our friends, if we are away from the baby, like just our eyes, our judgment is on that. Um, yeah. And then the fact that like you have to take care of yourself, like you have something that that is forcing you to have to take care of yourself. And so to have that internal battle on top of postpartum depression, I just, I can't even fathom. I'm so thankful that your husband, you know, sat you down and had that conversation. And for anybody who's listening, like if you know someone that needs that conversation, like you got to have it, you know, cause like what you're saying, because he had it, you were more willing to say, okay, sure. I'll go talk to somebody versus Mm -hmm. what would it be like now? I mean, I just don't even know what it would be like not taking your medication, battling breastfeeding, not as long, the differences between, you know, the first and the second, which I can imagine a lot of moms deal with. Like, you know, there's a lot of things I've done with Grayson from like a learning standpoint, right? Where I'd be like, man, if I had another one, I would do that differently. Like, first off, I'd be way more educated on postpartum depression. So I would be 100% medicated and probably a lot happier from the very beginning. And there's Mm -hmm. just, you know, there's this like, and then you're like, oh, but then I feel bad because then my second baby would get this attention that Grayson didn't get. And, and it's just like a constant battle. There's just no winning, but I hope you know (laughs) you're a rock star mom. Like you totally are a rock star mom. (laughs) I, I honestly can't even imagine. I do have some questions though about, you're welcome. Um, I know when we had talked previously on the phone, the, some of the side effects of getting on the MS medicine, um, Mm -hmm. can be pretty tolling on your body. So you said you started around five when Grayson was about five months. So what was like your biggest struggle when you jumped back into that medicine journey with MS? Well, Aside from the fact that I, regardless of the fact that I knew that I was doing the right thing for my body and for my kids by starting on these meds, I still felt tremendous guilt. So other than that, mm. <laughs> and continuing to feel the guilt, um, these, the medications that I did end up taking, so the medication that I, I, I was on back in 2010, 2011 was through injection. Things had changed uh, from that time in that now they had come up with uh, an approved oral pill medication. So it was medication I was taking every day at the same time. And the doctors and the drug company would tell me, you know, um, there might be side effects and they read you all of the possible side effects through their trials and say, but it's very unlikely. It's about, you know, you've got a 5 to 10% chance of having these side effects. So really, I was assured or I felt assured that, you know, I'm not that lucky. So I'm probably going to 
be okay, right? 5%, you know, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunate is that I ended up basically being like textbook. Uh, wow. The side effects that I ended up having, having were um, a lot of GI issues. So stomach-wise um, was a big one. I had a lot of headaches that happened and they didn't happen right away. I think that the medications had to make its way into my body since I was taking it every day. So it was a good couple of weeks before I started feeling something. And uh, they came and the side effects basically stayed. Uh, I got what was like flu-like symptoms and to be honest, I thought I was getting the flu because most of the medications that you I, that are involved do in fact change your immune system in that it weakens it. Mm. And so I just thought, okay, I just got a bout of the flu. No big deal. I'll work it through. Although the flu does suck. I said, okay, at least, you know, I knew that this might happen, but with that side effect, particularly the shivers, the coldness, the um, headaches, the GI issues, they ended up staying. And they were more than an annoyance because I was still trying, of course, to be present for my kids, to be there every step of the way, not only for a three-year-old, but also for a couple-month-old child. Um, And it didn't work out that way. So I ended up feeling those moments, dark moments again, because I felt, okay, I just stopped breastfeeding. I didn't want to, but I stopped breastfeeding. And here I am having these side effects where I can't even spend time with my kids. I'm in bed. Uh, I don't know if what I have is the flu and contagious, or is it really a side effect that will never go away? The times that I've had to, um, take care of myself in terms of going to the washroom or just being in bed, trying to rest. They were, those issues, those were outweighing the positives I saw in taking these medications. Mm -hmm. And I got angry, really angry. And I felt jaded. I felt that I was lied to that, you know, they gave me the wrong medications. There are, about a dozen different MS medications. And I felt angry with the neurologist. And I said, look, I cannot get my breast milk back. Once you, once I stopped and all moms know this, once you stop breastfeeding, it doesn't just come back because you want it. So I was angry. And I said, you know, I'm pretty sure I said to neurologist, I'm like, I can't get this moment back ever. And I don't find that me taking these medications are helping me at all. Like, how is this giving me good life right now? Yeah. It's not. And did they have an end in time? Like, was the neurologist like, you know, in six months or whatever, it should stop? Like, was there, or were they just kind of like, sorry, you just have the side effects? Well, the thing is with the neurologist is that he just reads the information from the drug company. And the drug, mm. co- drug company says these are temporary side effects. They should go away in about three to six months. And so the benefit, I suppose, is that the drug company had like an on-call nurse that could speak to me at any time if I had questions or concerns. And so I remember a moment where I was shivering in bed and 
my husband was giving me blanket after blanket and it just wasn't making me warm. It was one of those, you know, cold to the bone cold. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think I need to go to the ER because something is wrong. I just knew something was wrong. And he said, okay, well, let's call the, the nurse on call first. And I was disappointed with what they said. They said, well, it's probably the flu that you have because there's only a five to 10% chance that this is a side effect you could have from the medication. So it made me think that, oh, I just got the flu. It's not the drugs that are doing this. And so I dealt with it. I stayed home. We didn't go to the ER because here they would probably say, well, you have the flu. Don't come to the ER if you have the flu. Just stay home. Um, But then it happened again. And it kept happening. Like on and off? It would happen every day. Okay. On and off. So it wouldn't happen every day. It would be like maybe a good week would go by. Um, the, the other issues like the stomach pains and stuff would be every day, but at least the, the quote unquote flu wouldn't be every day. And it was the second time that it happened that I said, it's the medication. And so I remember calling my doctor and saying, I'm going to stop these medications. Like, I don't feel right. I can't do anything. And I'm, I'm feeling worse. And I, the neurologist said, you know, please just give it one more shot. Like continue on. You've been doing it for like a couple weeks, a month now, just keep going with it and it'll get better. So I, I guess I was being like that complacent patient. And while I knew something was wrong, I just continued to take it because the reality is I didn't want to go back to square one. And I had invested emotionally all of this to start the medications. And if I, if in my opinion, I easily gave up, it's like, what did I do all of this for? Yeah. Well, and And what's the other direction, right? You take another drug and then you go through the same, you know, cycle of these side effects. Like that would just be so hard to decide. It's like the worst, the worst of the worst. Like, what could I do? Right. And I was trying to do everything to better myself. And so I just said, okay, I'm, I'm tough. I can do it. So I continued on. And to be honest, I just dealt with it. I just continued on. There were days I struggled that I really needed to ask for help. There were days that I faked it, meaning I just slapped a smile on my face and said, It's great because I had healthy children. I was doing everything I could to take care of myself. So let's just try to live in the moment. And um, some of the side effects did subside. The flu-like symptoms did subside after about six months of taking the medication. Wow, Um, six months though. Six months, yeah. And... I remember keeping a journal because I, I needed to be in charge of what was happening. It was the only way I felt control. And so I could use this journal to show my doctor and say, look, here, I know the drug company themselves, the nurse from the drug company is telling me, it's making me feel really literally crazy that they're making me believe that it's not the drug, that it's me. And so that's why I kept a journal because I wanted to, not because anyone told me to. And it was when at around when Grayson was about a year that I presented 
my findings, I guess, to my neurologist. <laughs> and I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's not, I've been dealing with this with a young baby and I cannot have these side effects anymore. I need to find a solution to this. And it was then that the neurologist agreed with me that this was probably not the right medication. Wow. And so interestingly enough, um, it, it's a complicated matter in that I had to go through a wash of all the medication that was in the system that would take months, months to do blood work every week. I had to take, um, <laughs> it sounds funny, but I had to take other medication to wash out the medication. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I had to do that for a good period of time. And so finally it got out of my system after about, um, six months, another six months. Holy moly. So, yeah. So now I, or I started the third type of multiple sclerosis medication and it's, it's also oral, um, but it's different in that I took it for five days straight. I paused for a month and then they took it five days straight again. And so far, so good. There oh, were some side awesome. effects after the, yeah, there were some side effects after the first five that I did, meaning my immune system was very um, weak, I guess I'll call it, or low. And then I took the other five. And so, so far, so good. There still could be side effects that happen because the next time I'll actually take the medications will be in about uh, 11 more months. So it's like every year that I do this. Interesting. So it's so, five talking, and then a month, five and then a month, five, then a month, five, and then I break for 11 months. Oh, wow. so it just happened. Yeah. So now I break for 11 months, meaning I'm not actually taking any meds that the medication that's already in my system will just be there for a year. And then I do it again. So if all goes well, then I'll just take it in a year, 11 months from now. It's amazing how much has changed just in that short period of time. Like the fact yeah. that you were taking so, it all the time and then you were doing injections. Like it's amazing that that's changed, but you're feeling good. Like yeah. no side effects, no flare ups. Um, I'm feeling so far. I mean, there were in terms of flare ups and relapses, I, I do have some, um, but uh, I guess the, the thing that keeps me going is that if I wasn't taking the medication, the flare up would probably be worse. Mm. That's what I like to keep saying yeah. because <laughs> how would I ever know? Right? right. But you know, it's every day is a new day and every day I just, am, I have to think this way that I'm thankful that I have the right doctors on my side. And that's all my doctors. Um, I have the right people on my side and I'm thankful that I get to talk about it now yeah. and share this because it was a really sucky feeling. So it's just, and that's the best way I can explain it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, and I just, I wish that no other mom have those moments where they feel utterly alone 
and that they can't talk about it. They can't talk to someone about it um, or reach out to somebody or even recognize that there's something wrong and accept it and not feel tremendous shame and guilt from it. Right. So I'm thankful, you know, um, and just thankful to be able to talk to you, you know, finding you and just having that moment where I realized it's probably a good idea to share my story mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's good for me too. Right. Well, yeah, so for it's sure. good to share it, but it's very, very healing for me to even talk about it. So I'm thankful for that. Well, I'm so glad. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm, I think we've talked about this before and I know anybody who's been following me from the beginning knows I'm a firm believer that when we share our stories, it, it is beneficial to other moms, but man, it's really beneficial to us because we can start to really unpack like how we feel about something. And sometimes in conversation, we'll learn, oh, wait, I didn't even realize I was feeling like that, but I am feeling like that. And so I need to go work on that, or I need to know I've overcome this. And and it, it just is good. And it's good for moms to know that there's other sides of the story. You know, there's other versions and other ways that people become moms and are moms. And it really just makes us, you know, all on the same team, you know, of this you know, yeah. game of motherhood, but um, <laughs> just kind of doing it our own way. And we just have to love each other through that because we're all just doing the best we can with what we've got. I'm a firm believer. Yep. Catherine, I cannot thank you enough for sharing all of that with us. I mean, again, I'm just so thankful that you have, one, had that experience because I know through heartache like that can come some um, good healing for you, but also, again, for other moms to know what the journey would be like if they are faced with something similar. Uh, but mm-hmm. also just your selflessness that you shared today is really inspiring to me because I know, um, as moms, sometimes we don't feel very selfless, although we are like the, the number one <laughs> most selfless beings in the world. Um, mm-hmm. and so I just, I just thank you for sharing that because I know that moms will hear this and feel really inspired. Um, oh, you're very welcome. I do have one last question for you. Uh, I know it's a lot later yeah. where you are than where I am, so <laughs> I'll let you go. It's okay. <laughs> get some sleep. Um, but I do have one last question. So given your entire journey from, you know, your first diagnosis to deciding to have a family, um, to ultimately getting that family and the work you've done internally and externally to be a healthy mom um, and just to be a mom in general, what's one piece of advice that you would want to tell all the mamas out there? Oh, okay. So I think, I think I want to start off with the fact that as women and as moms is that we are so accustomed to multitasking and we want to do it all and we don't want to disappoint others. And this like applies to everything in our lives, like to be perfect, to be the best we can be. And I think as moms, 
we really shouldn't feel guilty that we need to take time for ourselves sometimes. And I say that because, because of my illness, it, it has forced me, forced me to do certain things and not do certain things. Uh, because energy wise, I just, I just can't. And so I have to be able to say no to things because of that, because my number one priority is my health, my kids, my family. So I think for moms, put aside the fact that you feel that you need to be able to do everything, be everywhere, but not feel guilty that you really need time to take care of yourself, right? Spend the time alone, take care of yourself, whether that be just to go out somewhere alone and not feel the tremendous guilt that you're letting anyone down because it doesn't make you any less of a person, a mom, a friend, a wife. It's just, you need that time alone sometimes. Yeah. I do think that's so good. And the thing too is like, you are probably going to feel that guilt, you know, like it is going to be there, but you just have to like, keep that mental talk of like, I'm good. I'm good. Like this is, there's a reason I'm doing this and this is good for me, which is in turn good for everyone else. Um, I do. I think that's great advice. And I'm and I'm kind of glad that you were forced into this. You know, you have to have that element of thinking for yourself because yeah, I do just think that will be something you can help kind of pass along to your daughters and to your friends and family of like, we got, no matter what your situation is, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to love yourself. Exactly. Most definitely. That's so good. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for your time and for your vulnerability and sharing everything that you did today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Sarah. I'm so glad to have done this. I really appreciate you as well, that I was able to be part of this and talk about it. So I thank you just as much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it. Please subscribe to this podcast so you can get the latest episodes and tell us what you think about it in the reviews. And mamas, I love you.